remain standing, grab those Bibles, turn to 1 Genesis chapter number 5. 1 Genesis chapter number 5 this evening, not 2 Genesis. All right. Genesis chapter number 5 this evening. Genesis chapter number 5. I got the mic now. Genesis chapter number 5. I Verse 21 through verse number 24. I'm going to get fired. I was going to make it worth it, huh? <laughs> Genesis chapter number 5, verses 21 through 24. We'll read responsively. I'll begin reading out loud. Verse number 21, you'll join me on 22, all the way through verse number 24. Genesis chapter 5 and verse number 21. Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah. Three hundred years, and begat sons and daughters, and all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And let's pray, Lord, we love you and we do thank you for the privilege, and it is a privilege to be in church this evening. Lord, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the man of God that you've given us. Thank you for the clarity of scriptures. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord, how he speaks to our heart, how he guides our mind, and do that again this evening as you've done already this morning through the music, through Sunday school and this morning's message, through tonight's fellowship, through the music, now again through the preaching of God's word. May our hearts be tender towards the truth, may our minds be focused on that which you'd have us to think about this evening, fill our pastor with the Holy Spirit's power. We'll ask all these things in your name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Keep your Bibles open to Genesis chapter 5. Not first Genesis, but Genesis. <laughs> I love it. There are not many words in the Bible given about a man named Enoch. Though there are not many words used, there's a lot said in just a few words. Enoch is not a man that many people would say would be their favorite person in the Bible. Many people don't even know who he is. He's not maybe one of the most prominent characters in Scripture. But I will say this. He's one of my heroes. Twice in the four verses we read, verse 22 says, And Enoch walked with God. Verse 24. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Enoch walked with God, and he walked so closely with God that one day while he and God were walking together, talking and fellowshipping, God looked down and said, Enoch, how about you come to my house today? It doesn't say Enoch died. God took Enoch to heaven in this body. He enjoyed fellowship with Enoch so much that he wanted him to be in heaven. He only did that to one other person. A man named Elijah. Only two men in world history that went to heaven without dying. I'll show you later in the message, I believe, that they'll come back one day and they will die because as it is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. But I want you to notice something. And this is astounding to me. 
There are only four people in the Bible that God says walked with God. Four. Moses, Noah, in Genesis chapter 6, you might be on the same page or right next to it, Genesis chapter 6, verse number 9, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. Then you have Abraham in Genesis chapter 24, verse number 40, saying that Abraham walked with God. Then we have Enoch in Genesis chapter 5, verses 22 and 24. Those four men are the only four people in the Bible that the Bible actually uses the term that they walked with God. That's a pretty elite class. Uh, When you use the names Moses, Noah, Abraham, and Enoch... That's kind of the uh, the all-stars. Those are the golden glovers. Those are the hall of famers. Uh, it's been my honor in my life to know many great men of God. And I've known many ladies who were very godly ladies. I've known many of what many would call the great men of God of the last generations. I'll give you just a few names. Men like Dr. Lester Roloff. Uh, (laughs) If there was ever a kook, it was Lester Roloff. A man who who walked the line of faith and foolish very closely. Uh, But what an incredible man of God. Dr. Lee Robertson. Highland Park Baptist Church, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hosted Dr. Robertson many times. Dr. Robertson was a man probably about an inch or so shorter than I. A very stately man. He was at Highland Park Baptist Church 42 years. Baptized at least a thousand people every year, 42 years in a row. Dr. Robertson started Tennessee Temple University. Uh, college, Bible college, and then university. Then in his latter years, he retired, went into full-time evangelism, and someone took his church over and destroyed it. Destroyed the college, destroyed the church. It's now uh, not even Tennessee Temple. It's not even Highland Park Baptist Church. They sold the buildings, and, and they went back into the Southern Baptist Convention. It's now called the Church of the Highlands. It's a rock and roll community church. Dr. Robertson always wore navy blue, double-breasted suit. He would preach 22 to 28 minutes. Down the line, never vary. No, no, no. Point number one, love God. Point number two, get saved. Point number three, go soul winning. That's right. That's right. Three to thrive. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, That's Dr. Robertson. Spent many hours with him. man named Dr. Curtis Hudson, second editor of the Sword of the Lord. What a... What a, a, an amazing personality. I got to be with Dr. Hudson shortly before his death and watch him sing, and he was dying of cancer. I'd watch him sing uh, songs, and he would be just weeks from heaven. Ooh, amazing. A man named Dr. Joe Boyd, probably one of the greatest men 
of reaching men of the last generation was a man named Joe Boyd. Giant of a man. I mentioned him this morning, and I knew Dr. Boyd. One of the most unique personalities was a man named Carl Hatch. Carl Hatch was a very unusual soul winner. Carl Hatch was a a wild, drunkard, rough man, got saved. God turned him around, and Carl Hatch would witness to a busy signal. (sighs) Carl Hatch would walk up to a Satanist church and start preaching the gospel. Uh, I've been in churches, if you were on the platform, he was checking the preachers out on the platform, make sure they had gospel tracts. If you didn't have them, buddy, you got to be a sermon illustration that night. Uh, Carl Hatch would walk into public bathrooms and uh, he'd, he'd say, hey, he said, you can go soul winning in a bathroom. He said, you got a captive audience. He said, just stick it under the stall. Read material. He was that kind of guy. I mean, you know, and if you ladies don't understand, you don't hear men talking in a men's bathroom. We don't go in there to fellowship. Yeah. Carl Hatch, good night. He, he, he'd witnessed anything, everything, and it's just amazing. Of course, my, my pleasure and honor to have known Dr. Jack Hiles. Worked for him. Loved him, saw him in so many different lights, Uh, great men of God, all these men that walked with God. Of course, my dear friend, Dr. Jeff Fugit. Uh, Brother Fugit is one of the most amazing men of our generation, and I love and respect him highly. These are all men of God with whom I knew, and it was obvious that they walked with God. Last week, as you know, I was back in Ohio, and I grew up in those neighborhoods. My wife and I drove down streets that I learned to ride my bike on. I drove down streets where I learned to drive my bike without any hands, and I could go half a mile without touching the handlebars and turn corners. Oh, the stories that flooded my mind. I drove by the church where I was called to preach. The memories that came. I drove by the statue of Mother Mary. (laughs) And I told my wife, I started laughing. She said, what? I said, if I could pull off a West Tusk right here and have you take my picture in front of that, I would do it with a gospel track in my hand. But traffic was too bad. I couldn't do it. I came real close. I preached at the school where I graduated from Christian high school. I preached in the church that Dr. Bruce Cummins pastored and uh, sponsored that school and ministry. I walked up and or drove down streets that I used to walk up and down walking with God. I don't put myself in the same category as the men I just mentioned. But I can tell you this. God wants you to walk with him. He's not a respecter of persons. He made you so that we would walk with him and fellowship with him. I can't tell you how many times, Brother Joe, I've heard myself talking out loud to God and say, God, you did it for... Brother Robertson, he did it for 
D.L. Moody. You did it for Spurgeon. You did it for Brother Hiles. You did it for Dr. Hudson. How come you can't do it for me? I, I remember that. I remember hearing Lester Roloff say, we say, where's the Lord God of Elijah? He, he would say, where's the Elijah of the Lord God? Boy, did he have a point. He was homespun, but he hit you right between the nose every time. God made you to walk with him. You don't have to be of a certain pedigree to walk with God. Thank God for that. You don't have to have a certain intelligence level. We all ought to thank God for that. May I say something on behalf of God? God wants you to walk with him more than you want to walk with him. He really does. Those of you that are parents of adult children, you know what I'm talking about. You love them beyond what they could love you, and you just want them to love you. You want them to know you love them, but you like it when they love back. Tonight I want to briefly talk to you about your walk with God. Number one. A walk with God is an individual thing. It can't be done with someone else. You don't walk with God in a group. You don't walk in with God as a family. You walk with God by yourself. I mean that. If you're going to walk with God, you're going to spend some lonely times away from people. But it's worth it. I can't walk with God for you. I can walk with God for me. But Brother Ron, I can't walk with God for you. That's about like saying you want somebody else to date your wife so that you can get close to her. You say, preacher, that's, that's not possible. That's like saying I want you, preacher, to walk with God for me. That's like a husband saying, I'll walk with God for my kids. I'm for a family reading the Bible together. I'm for a family praying together. I'm for husbands and wives reading the Bible and praying together. But that ought not be the only time you read the Bible or pray. Because you don't walk with God with somebody else. You walk with God when you're by yourself. I love my wife. I love spending time with her. There's nobody on the face of the earth that I love more than my wife, but I probably speak more words to God than anybody but her. And there's times I spend more time with him. Not because I don't love my wife, but because my job demands it. You have needs. She puts up with a lot. But I've had to learn to be alone and walk with God. So, preacher, why do you get up at 4.15 in the morning? So I can spend hours walking with God. I'll promise you. I, I spend 20 to 30 hours a week doing nothing but walking with God. That's on top of my work. You say, why do you do that, preacher? Preacher. Because I have to. 
If I'm going to do his work and do it his way, I've got to spend time with him. I want to be in fellowship with him so that when the tough times come, he and I have a direct line with each other. There are well-known preachers in this country that I know. Some of which I'm friends with, some of which I'm very close with. We think of the greatness of a Dr. Jeff Fugit. But yesterday I shot him a text and within moments he texted me back. Say why? Because there's a closeness there. Do I abuse it? No, I don't do that every day. And I didn't say I need an answer right now. But he saw the urgency and responded. There's a relationship that allows that to take place. Does that make sense? A walk with God is spending time with God. That means this. That means you talk to him. I talk out loud to God a lot. If you ever came here about 5, 5.30 in the morning and got in the door, Devin, where are you at? Yeah, don't knock on my, don't knock on the uh, office door when it's dark outside. He came last week one day and knocked on the office window and thought, good Lord, I walked around the corner and my hand on my nine miller and I see Devin standing at the door. Dude, you almost got shot. But if you could walk in here many mornings, you'll hear me talking to God out loud. Say, so you talk to him out loud? Yeah, he hears me. Sometimes I just need to hear what I'm saying. Say, how does God talk to you? Not in an audible voice. <laughs> Trust me. That's how God talks to me. He's already given it to me, but there's times I just got to talk to him and listen to him and, tell, and let the Holy Spirit tell me where to go from there. But I got to get it out. If you got married and never talked to your spouse one-on-one, -on -one, how close would your relationship be? When's the last time you told God you loved him? And I mean you spent time telling God why you love him and how you love him. When's the last time you took time to let God talk to you? I'm not talking about just reading words on a, on a page. But you read them and you were talking to God as you read them. And you're communicating back and forth with God saying, God, I don't understand this. Could you, could you help me? Or God, that's pretty special right there. You just stop and talk a bit. You see, there's more than reading the Bible just to read words. How about you get to know the author? Getting to know the author of that book so that when he speaks, you understand what he's saying. It's kind of like, and I know I'm dating myself here, so it's kind of like when before there was cell phones and texting, you used to get love notes from your girlfriend or your boyfriend that you became married to. I remember you all don't know what long distance relationships are these days. I remember the first summer that my wife and I were dating, she went home. I was in Indiana. She was in Ohio. I saw her one time throughout the whole summer. We wrote letters every day and sent them once a week. You say, why? Because I couldn't afford postage any more than that. 
And you always look forward to going to your mailbox, and you knew if she sent a letter because you could smell it before you opened the mailbox because she put her perfume on it. Keep that thing under my pillow so I could smell that perfume, amen? Cruel and unjust punishment. I'd read those things every day till I got the next letters. When's the last time you did that with the Word of God? And you smelled the sweet aroma of God's presence. Uh, we've cheapened things with quick communication. I still write my wife love notes. Every once in a while, well, most every day, I'm up long before the rest of the world is. But I'll leave a note by the coffee pot. It's ready to go for Say, you're still right with a pen and paper? Yeah, I still do. Everything. You say, why? Because I just believe it's important. I just believe it's important. It's not, listen to this statement. And I don't know how better to say this. We were driving up West Tusk in Canton over by Millette Mall we were headed over to the McKinley Monument because I wanted to buy a couple books over there at the library. And I, we passed, my dad will know where this place is, past the old country fair shopping center. And I said, right about there, every Christmas, they had the mailbox to Santa set up. I remember that as a kid. Now listen to this statement. Talking to God is more than just sitting on Santa's lap telling God all you want. Talking to God's like being together as husband and wife and talking to each other. Not on your phone and your computer and playing games. Yeah, what'd you say? Huh? Yeah, what? And have no idea what was said. No, I mean full attention, 100%. You and God. Nobody else can do it but you. God made you to fellowship with him, and if he does not get the love and the fellowship from you, you've cheated God. You've cheated him. He made you for that. Number two, I love you. A walk with God requires action. A walk with God requires action. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6 that Noah walked with God and then he built an ark. Any man willing to go into a 120-year building program has to love God. No wonder he got drunk when it was over. He probably had Jefferson County Commission on his back or building committee. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I got the microphone now. Uh, Noah was far from perfect. But I will tell you this, he's the only one that obeyed God. He didn't understand all the blueprints maybe, but he got her finished. <laughs> There's things about the ark that nobody thinks about. Can you imagine nine months worth of animal exhaust? Somebody's going to have to do a lot of shoveling. 
just think through that one little part of that. How'd you like to be locked up in a boat for nine months with every animal on earth, two of every unclean, seven of every clean beast? And some of the smaller ones that were having babies every six weeks or so. Imagine what's going on on that ark, and you got to keep that thing cleaned up a little bit. If you've ever been out to a horse farm or a cow farm, one of those horses or one of those cows can do an awful lot of exhaust in one shot. And you sure don't want to be standing next to it or behind it, amen? But I want you to notice something. A walk with God requires action. I love my wife, but for me to spend time with her and have a relationship, it takes action. Some of the action we won't talk about. But I enjoy being with my wife. I enjoy taking her on a date. I enjoy spending time with her. We enjoy playing games together. We enjoy laughing at each other. We enjoy, she'll get up and go, oh, okay, what hurts today, you know? And we'll laugh about those things. We enjoy being together. Do you enjoy being with God? I'm not talking about just coming to church. I'm talking about you spending time with him one-on-one. It requires action. Number two, Abraham walked with God and left everything to go somewhere where he knew nobody. Kind of like going to Florida almost. Uh, I get it. Folks, you don't understand something. (laughs) Brother Josh, you've been to the church. You worked in that church before. That's your family's home church. You grew up in that church. When my wife and I got married, I put her through her last year of school. She was just finishing up, and we had just gotten into the summer. I got a phone call from Brother Hiles. He asked me to meet with a certain pastor that was going to be on the campus of the college. I was working part-time at the college, full-time in my machine shop job. And uh, the man worked, had a church in Long Beach, California. I thought, I don't want to go to California. But Brother Hiles said, meet with him. So I did. The guy flew me from Chicago to Long Beach, California in 1990. Airline ticket was $350. That would be like $1,000 today. I looked at the airline ticket and said, this guy's spending $350 to take me out to California? Spend a whole weekend there? Good night. I got to O'Hare Field, got on the plane, flew out there, got off the plane. He looked at me and he said... I'll get you to the church and I'll get you to the hotel eventually, but we got to stop at the hospital. I had a teenage girl who was in a car accident. She's, she's dying. We got to get to the hospital. So we left LAX, drove into Long Beach, went into Long Beach Memorial Hospital, and Kim was lying there with uh, all kinds of, her head was all swelled up, looked like a basketball. And we had to wait a few minutes because they were pour, boring a hole in her head to relieve the pressure on her brain. Welcome to California. We spent time with her for a while, went to the church, looked things over. I preached several times while I was there that weekend. He offered me a job. I went back to uh, Indiana, talked with my wife, talked to Brother Hiles, accepted the job. We loaded up a moving truck, said goodbye to her family, my family, and drove from the Chicago area all the way to Long Beach, California with no GPS. Such a thing called a map. 
my wife was sick about halfway through the journey. It was, we took three days, and I mean, we were humping it. I ended up about, I knew we were close to the Long Beach, but I couldn't figure out where I was at, Brother Harry. And I finally pulled up in a part of town that I knew I was, let's just say I was the only light-skinned person in the area. I, I went to a gas station, and there's bars on the windows and bars on the doors, and you know you don't go in unless they buzz you in. And I walked up to the window, and the guy said, what are you doing here? I said, sir, I'm lost. He said, I already knew that. White people don't come here. I said, well, where am I? He said, Compton. I didn't know what that meant. I did later. I said, he said, what do you need? I said, I need to find this address in this church. He said, go out here, turn left, go two blocks. That's Orange Avenue. Don't get off that till you get to the church. Don't stop. He said, you're not in a part of town white people should be in. That's what he told me. Well, I found out later what Compton really was. Not a good place for anybody to be, no matter what color you are. I pulled up in front of the church. My wife said, honey, where are we going to live? I said, I don't know. We'd just driven over 2,000 miles, packed everything we had in a little U-Haul truck, and I have absolutely no idea where we're going to live. We got out, went into the church building. She got to see the building for the first time. Pastor said, he said, uh, we haven't found you a place to live yet, have we? I said, no, sir. <laughs> I'm not kidding, Brother Scott. <laughs> My wife loves me. He said, I found, he said, I got a place that's not far from here. Follow me. He said, matter of fact, just jump in my car because you got that moving truck out there. He said, where is it? I said, it's on the street out there. He said, pull it in the parking lot. Don't leave it on the street. Somebody's going to steal stuff out of it. Great. Pulled it in the parking lot. We got in his car. We went about four or five blocks north of the church. A little 748-square-foot, two-bedroom, one-bath house. little Filipino lady had it. We said, only two of us. We can make this work. He said, good, we'll take it. How much is it? $1,000 a month. Okay, this is 35 years ago. And I'm choking. I mean, I'm choking, choking. I'm like, <gasps> choking. He said, we'll take care of it. Okay. Went back to the church, got the moving truck. Backed it into the driveway. Well, half of it in the driveway. The other half was in the street because the driveway wasn't long enough to hold the whole truck. I'm not kidding. Started unloading our stuff. Started. Uh, and then she said, honey, the, uh, the refrigerator's not working. So for the next month, we lived out of an igloo cooler until she got a new refrigerator. You talk about moving to a place you know not, God, or anybody else. That was it. Uh, can I tell you something? It requires action. Action. Uh, Abraham had to leave his comfort zone. He didn't wait for a map or a GPS. He just followed God. 
A walk with God is a relationship. He's not a sounding board. My wife is not my sounding board. There's a relationship there. My wife will tell you, I very rarely blow off steam around her. Say why? She's there to encourage me. Why would I want to discourage her? Some of you, no wonder you don't like each other because all you do is blow off steam with each other and there's nothing left to talk about because you're mad. If I'm going to blow off steam, God and I are going to have it out in the field. You blow off steam with God? Yep. He can handle it. Everybody doing okay? A relationship requires two people walking together in agreement. Amos 3.3 says this. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Hmm. That's what God says. Now, here's your version of agreement. Well, I said it. I'm the boss. She's got to agree with me. Oh, no. You're not God. How about you walk with God that way and start telling God how God has to accept you? You see, your walk with your spouse, your walk with your children, your walk with your friends is a relationship and it reveals the relationship you have with your God. I didn't say it, God did. If we have an agreement with him and his word, guess what? We have fellowship together. First John chapter 1, turn there very quickly. We're, we're going to finish in just about five minutes here. First John chapter 1, verse number 6. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with the other, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. You can't lie to God and walk with him. You can't fellowship with him when you're not in agreement with him and his word. Sitting there telling him what you want over and over and over and over and over isn't going to change anything. Maybe we ought to fellowship with him and we can tell him what we want and say, okay, God, but what do you want? And may I get in agreement with you? Hey, sometimes she gets what she wants and I don't. Say why? Because I love her and I want her to have what she wants. It doesn't matter what I want. I want her to be happy. I have no problem with that. See, the key to any relationship is not forcing someone to want what you want. It's coming to an agreement. I don't force people to want what I want. God doesn't force you to want what he wants. But can I tell you, when your wanter and his wanter get together, it sure is good. You see... Genesis 5.24 says that Enoch walked so close with God that God said, you just come to my house right now. Wow. Enoch walked so close to God, God wanted him to come to heaven and spend time with him and just hadn't let him come back to earth yet. Wow. You're talking 4,000 years. 
actually longer, probably closer to five or 6,000 years. Because that was pre-flood. Next. What are the benefits of walking with God? I'm going to have you turn to two verses. Look at Psalm 56. Psalm 56. Look at verse number 13. Psalm 56, verse 13. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt, thou not, uh, wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Wow. You'll get to walk in the light of life. God said he'd keep your feet from falling. He'll deliver you. And you'll walk in the light. Our world is groping in darkness because they're not walking with God. We live in a dark, nasty, evil world. But can I tell you something? It's pretty light and bright in here. Pretty light and bright when you're walking with God. Everybody else can grope around and feel around in the dark. But when you walk in the light, man, you can live. God also says in Psalm 116, turn there, Psalm 116. Psalm 116, look at verse number 9. I love this. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Everybody listen to this very carefully. When you walk with God, you're walking in eternal life. Young people, the world says, oh, live the way you want. Live it up. No, they're dying it out. The world is killing themselves with their fun. They call it living. God calls it death. You want to live it up? Live the way God wants you to live. You'll live healthier. You'll live wiser. You'll live with a lot less regret. Oh, I didn't say you did not have pain or sorrow. I didn't say any of those things wouldn't come. But you'll be able to handle it and do a whole lot better. You see, when you walk with someone, you're close enough to see them. I like walking close to my wife. We hold hands most of the time when we walk. Say why? Because I like being close to her. Uh, (laughs) We face difficult times together. You think it's easy saying goodbye to your kids to move to Florida or Georgia or California? No. But guess what? We're doing it together. It's going to be all right. There's a pizza. Thank you, Wiley. Pepperoni, sausage, mushrooms, and double cheese. Amen? Hoorah. Anyway, uh, (laughs) or meat lovers, it doesn't matter. I can't taste any of it, so just don't put any fish or green things on there. No peas. You know, when you walk together, you face difficult times together. But when you face difficult times together, you have each other to lean on. Not yell at, lean on. Uh, Not be upset because they don't see it your way. You lean on them. And you let them lean on you. You're strong when they're weak. And they're strong when you're weak. And you cover each other's weaknesses. 
You enjoy life together. My wife and I enjoy life together. We really do. We were at the monument last Saturday, and I, had, I was buying a couple books. And I walked up, and there's two ladies at the counter, and I said, how y'all doing? And they said, we're fine. They said, are you from here? I said, well, I grew up here, but no, we're from West Virginia. She said, I knew it. You had a West Virginia accent. My wife is about to come unscrewed at that moment. And we walked away. She said, we don't have an accent. I said, we don't. But I can tell you the, the one word I used that caused them to think that. I said, y'all instead of Ewins. In Ohio, it's Ewins. In West Virginia, it's y'all. <laughs> that was the one word that gave it away. If I'd have walked up and said, how Ewins doing? It'd have been fine. My dad's back there laughing. He knows I'm telling the exact truth. Because my wife, the rest of the weekend, she kept hearing, Ewins, Ewins, Ewins. She said, you're right. She said, I know. I know this part of the country. I grew up here. It's not y'all. It's Ewins. I don't have any idea where that came from, but that's all that they say. Now, uh, we enjoy life together. You enjoy the up times, the down times, the good times, the bad times. The victories, the defeats. Time passes more pleasantly when you're with somebody. You learn more about each other. You build good memories together. And you learn to trust each other more. When's the last time you walked with God? By the way, Revelation chapter 11, we're not going to take time to turn there, but if you read Revelation 11 verses 3 through 12, there's two witnesses that are mentioned in the book of Revelation that during the tribulation, these two witnesses will leave heaven and come to earth. And for about three and a half years, they'll preach to the Jewish or the Hebrew race and hundreds of thousands of people and millions of people. They are going to be the precipitors of a revival that takes place during the tribulation. In the middle of the tribulation, those two witnesses, Antichrist, will kill them. They will lay in the streets for three days and three nights with the TV cameras on them. And after three days and three nights, they're going to have a personal rapture. And the news media is going to be covering their dead bodies in the streets. And the Bible says that they're going to stand up and ascend to heaven in front of the world stage. Say, who are those two witnesses? Enoch and Elijah. Say why? Because as it is appointed unto every man wants to die. And after this, the judgment. God will fulfill his word. Enoch. I love the statement. And Enoch walked with God. And Enoch walked with God. God. Not many words said about him, but boy, there sure is a whole lot of power packed into those few words said about him. The question is this. How's your walk with God? Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. Are you willing to walk with God? Are you willing to spend some time with him? I'm not talking about 20 hours a week. But are you willing to give him... 10, 15 minutes a day? Would you give him 30 minutes a day? 
Would you give him some time every day? 